Have we ever talked about the doctrine of original drums? <laughs> the doctrine of original drums. <laughs> I was totally not prepared for that. I'm. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, you know the doctrine of original drums. Uh, Genesis. Uh, ninety-two fourteen. <laughs> well, the original drums, Genesis. That's uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the I feel it calling in the air tonight, guy. Oh, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And the Lord said, in the beginning, there there was the Lord, and He hovered above the void, and soon there was a sweet drum tom solo. Okay, so one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. I don't remember the episodes, I just remember moments in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. There was an episode where Bart becomes a drummer and he gets he's like really good mm-hmm. and uh and he gets he breaks his arm and he can't play drums anymore. Mm-hmm. And he he's got this line where he goes, I used to be an amazing drummer and now I'm nothing just like Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. So, this is the thing I don't know this is not a podcast on Phil Collins, no. but but you know that is the thing. Everybody always talks about like how great that drum line is. Mm-hmm. I really didn't think he was ever that great of it a drummer. And that that drum solo in particular, the boom, 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 boom. It's a very easy. Well, it's not about how hard it is or how difficult. Yeah. It's about the timing of it in that moment. There's a lot of very simple things you can do, Brandon, mm-hmm. that have a very powerful impact in life. See, that's what Phil understood. Yes, you know, Phil. that's what Phil understood. He got it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, so, as you've already mentioned, this is not a podcast about Phil Collins or drums, uh, but you know, there's a crossover of drums and holiness, so we have to talk about it here on the Physical Faith Podcast. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about salvation. What is salvation? What must I do to be saved? Um, you know, our last episode together, we talked about sin, mm-hmm. and this is the the perfect transition into kind of the response to sin is right. that we need to be saved. Right. Once you recognize that you are a sinner, the next question you say is, now what? Now what? How do yeah. I how do I rec- rectify this? Right. Um, you know, and that's the thing. This is what we've we've talked about it in the last episode what, that, you know, sin separates you from God and salvation is really the act of reconciling you yes. to God. Yes. Right. So there's a couple of terms that get thrown around when it comes to salvation and kind of the theology thereof, and the aspects of the believer's life. Mm-hmm. And, and the three specific are justification, sanctification, and glorification. Um, now, glorification is the last one, and this is what occurs after death and judgment. It's kind of the final form of who we yeah. are. Kind of like that final evolution in Pokemon. Um, it's, sanctif- it's like when you get to Charizard. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're just trying to be relevant for the right. kids. Uh, so, for the youths. <laughs> That's right. Sanctification is that part in between, which is this is that process of changing our nature and becoming more like Jesus. Charmeleon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but in the, in the in the beginning is justification. Charizard. Right. Char- no, Charmander. Charmander. Yeah. And so this is justification is the moment of salvation. This is when the believer confesses in Christ's uh, belief in Christ the Lord and makes him his Lord. Right. So justification, when we talk about justification or we're, this is what we're talking about when we say, are you saved? Mm-hmm. You know, is, have you had that moment of justification? Right. So um, it's important for us to remember that um, you may have had a moment of justification, mm-hmm. um, and now you're in sanctification, mm-hmm. but somebody in the process of sanctification may not be yet behave the way we expect. Right. Uh but they should be moving towards something better. But it doesn't mean that they're not saved. Right. Just because they have not 
walked out of all of that bondage yet. Yeah, Wesley kind of, John Wesley is the one who kind of really coins a lot of these phrases and uses them. I mean, they were around before him, but he really right. runs with them. And, and you know, his idea of sanctification, his, you know, I remember in one of the classes in seminary that we were talking about, someone once asked the question, like, can you actually achieve glorification prior to death? Hmm. And Wesley actually responded, yes, you could. Um, and he's seen maybe a few people in his life, but it is a very, very difficult. I mean, that's like to Sounds to like achieve Enoch? to achieve yeah, <laughs> like basically like to achieve sainthood, and like like that's basically no no they don't do saints, but like you know so so he said the majority of Christian life though was not in 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 the glorification phase, it was in the the sanctification phase, and that phase could last thirty, forty, fifty years. Sure, and so so um. One of the things, like you just said, is I think it's important to understand um, some people may be in their sanctification for 30 years, but have only made two years of progress. Sure. You know, um, and and that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but that's just a reality. But that you're still saved is what I'm saying, because right. the justification is the moment where you make the decision to accept and, and believe. Right. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper with that as we go right. on. But that is, you know... When we talk about justification, that moment of justification typically comes when we as evangelical Christians say, right. you say the sinner's prayer, yes. confess in Jesus Christ, and, and you move forward from there. Yeah, justification is the acknowledgement. Yeah. And everybody has to acknowledge at some point. Right. Yeah. So when we talk about that, when we talk about that sinner's prayer, it really comes out of Romans 10, mm -hmm. verses 8 through 10, uh, which says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Mm -hmm. um, so there's these two components, really, which is that you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, not just that you believe he existed. Right. You have to believe that he is who he says he is, that he died and he was risen from the grave, conquered mm -hmm. sin and death, mm -hmm. that he is the son of God. That's the level of belief we're talking about, right? right? And in believing in that results in righteousness. And with the mouth, when you confess those things, that results in salvation. Right. Right. So question becomes then, like, how are we saved? Like, we've just kind of explained the right, right. this concept here. But I think to go a little further, we're talking about faith through grace. Sure. And we have to understand something called substitutionary atonement. Yes. Right? And so we've talked about this a little bit. We mentioned it a little bit in the in the sin episode, too, where we talked about, you know, it's a fair that we should be lumped in with Adam just because he right. ate the apple. And it's like, but is it also is it fair that Christ should have to die for all of mankind? Right. You know, it's not really about what's fair. It's about what's right and what's just. Right. Right. And so substitutionary atonement claims that our sin mm -hmm. requires payment. Right. Right. And that payment is death. Right. And again, we if you haven't listened to that episode, I, I do recommend go back and listen to that. We talked sure. about that a little bit, is that um, you know, the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one sin mm -hmm. means death. death. Right. 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 And I think that's important because I, I've heard this in a lot of circles, especially modern day. Uh, substitutionary atonement sort of gets a bad rap because mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of modern scholars say, well, that's barbaric. How could a God of love and grace demand human blood sacrifices? That's that's, that's like what the Aztecs did, you know, right. and you Christians say you're, you're more refined than the Aztecs. But the reality is what you just, it's not about, I mean, it, it is about blood, um, but, but what it's about is death. 
death death requires death that's the consequence of our right. sin and so jesus dies once the bible says once and for all right it's you know actu- it's actually about justice right exactly because right? like those are apples and oranges you talk right. about um aztecs I mean, I mean they're not even fruits and fruits they're like there's two different things. right exactly right yeah you know the aztecs sacrifice people mm-hmm. to appease angry gods right okay i think Look, there is this element of God having this wrath stored up right. against evil. Sure. Right? Sure. And so here's the other thing is you would say, well, why does God allow evil? God mm-hmm. should do something about evil. Right. Okay, he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, evil, the you know, the <laughs> rectifying evil requires somebody to pay the penalty right. for having done evil. Right. Oh, and he'll deal with it later too. Right? Yeah. So like now most people say, why did why does why doesn't God do something about evil? As if to say, why doesn't God cosmically remove everybody's freedom of choice, right. free will, right. and make it so that nobody even thinks about doing harm to each other, right. and we can all just live, laugh, and love? Right. You know. But but under some weird matrix binary code where right. we don't have any freedom. Right. Exactly. And that's and the, but see that's where that's where Jesus comes back into play, especially into the salvation moment, mm-hmm. is because. God is a God of consequences and a God of justice. Sin has a consequence. Its consequence is death, and the only way to overcome the consequence is death. Right. And so Jesus says, I will die once and for all, right. for all people, for all mankind. So that way we can reconcile or, or reclaim yeah. what we had before the sin. Right. And uh, you know, and God did not subjugate Jesus and force him into this. No. You know, and it's weird to talk about them being in the Trinity like that. But right. But Jesus chose this. Yes. This because he knew this is what needed to be done. He said, Your will be done. Yeah. So he went and took that on himself Mm -hmm. on your behalf because he loved you. Right. Not because God said, I got to do something. Right. Right. So when we talk about substitutionary atonement, we need to remove the barbaric human sacrifice model out because that's not what this is. This is this is the fulfillment of justice and consequences in one. There are still consequences in this life for sin. Right. But Jesus's death removes the consequences in the next life in eternity right. of sin. Well, see, the sacrifice is always about appeasing for the time. Right. But what happens here, this it's is this it's is fulfillment. Pay, paying right. the penalty right. and fulfilling justice. Right. 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 So like if somebody okay, if somebody um steals, sure, sure. and they get sent to jail. Right. That's the payment for their. That's the penalty for their right. Their mis- crime for right. their crime for their misdeed. They don't have to keep going back to jail later to ch- continue to appease the system. Right, which is what sacrifice was. Right, Jesus was. You know, we use these terms of like Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice because it fits that narrative of the Old Testament. Right, but ultimately this. This was his way of saying, "I've paid the price for your sin, right? So that you don't have." Yeah, to. we are not. We are not as the as, as I can't remember who wrote it, but sinners in the hands of an angry God. I can't remember who. Right. Uh, uh, whatever. I know. I know. I know. Everybody should know it. If most people have heard it, but that's not. That's not the truth. God is not an angry God. He, he does hate sin. He does have anger. He does have anger. He does yeah. have wrath. Yeah, and he stores it up. And he, because he is kind of benevolent, he gives you. Every opportunity. Every opportunity. Like, right. We look at the Canaanites, you know, um, he waited 450 years. Right. Before he... <laughs> right. And, and and the truth is the Canaanites actually, they are a consequence of sin yeah. years before. 
Yeah. All the way, even, even, even before um, Moses hops on, it, it goes all the way back to Abraham and, and even, even Isaac, you know, and right. so. Well, it's sin running its course. Right. Exactly. It, right. It leads to depravity that can only be met with righteous anger. Right. You know, because this is evil. Right. Right. So, um, you know, that's, you know, what the Canaanites did, that's another podcast for another time. Yeah. Uh, but again, God is a God of justice. Right. So substitutionary atonement allows us to accept Christ as our substitute. Right. Right. So uh, Romans 5, 6 to 11, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person, someone will even dare to die. Mm -hmm. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, so there we get that term, having right. now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Mm -hmm. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Right. Right. So substitutionary atonement, by his blood, we are uh, atoned. Right. You know, and now we have received re reconciliation to God. And, and not only is, for those of you who maybe just need a little push, that's also prophetic, right? That's actually mentioned in, I, in the book of Isaiah, it's that through his wounds we are healed. Right. So, so, so this idea of... Um, Atonement isn't like, oh, look at Jesus is the this is an idea that's been carried through the Bible, that there was an atonement coming. Yeah. And it would be through someone's wounds, which were Jesus's, right. that atonement or reconciliation would occur. Absolutely. So again, this if you look back at Romans 10, where he, we said we have to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he right. was the Son of God, that he did die, and that he then rose from the dead. Um we have to understand that his work on the cross was important and crucial to our salvation. So when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus right. is Lord and that he did these things, that is us accepting his substitution right? so that we then are atoned. Right. I think it's important for us to understand, too, salvation is a response. Yeah. It is a response to God's reconciliation. Right. And so salvation is rooted in, in a denial or rejection of that. Right. So, 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 and by that I mean, I think we have to understand in order to believe something, we have to first hear something and then we have to either decide is it true or is it false. Right. And so, so salvation isn't just like, yay, Jesus. Like salvation recognizes some very key things. And like you said, the fact that we are sinners, the fact that Jesus dies, the fact that he atones our sin, you know, these, these are things. So we have to believe those things and accept those. So when it talk, when we talk about salvation, what we're saying right off the bat is we believe that stuff. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, uh, when I was young, I was in like a youth meeting and like worship was popping. Everybody was kind of right. getting down. It was a home meeting. And I brought a friend from school who mm -hmm. was not saved. And like, he was really getting into the to the spirit of it, so to speak. Yeah. Like he really was enjoying the aspect of sure. it. And so I was like, I felt bold and I was like, do you want what these people have? And he was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, well then repeat after me. Uh -huh. Right. And then, and so I started leading him this prayer. But when I said, you know, Lord, forgive me of my sin, he like kind of paused. Yeah. And I realized then I was like, I didn't set this up right. <laughs> right, right. Because like he didn't really see himself as a sinner. Right. And you know what? We never talked about it again. I did, I really did him a disservice. <laughs> right, sure. We kind of just moved on, but like, he was 
he did he wasn't really buying that. He was like, no, look, I want to have the fun. Right, right, right. I don't want to recognize that in my own I'm I'm a sinner that right. needs to be saved. Yes. I just want to have the reward. Right. But, but you can't. I want yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying is is salvation is not just saying I'm a Christian. Right. That's not salvation. Salvation is the acceptance of these key things, like you said, Jesus, right. atonement, things like that. And and it's not that and, and I we, we say a prayer because that's the I also think the prayer is also some of the confession part of it. We're confessing this, um, but we do we it, to to your point. We do others a disservice, especially as Christians, when we're like, "Hey, do you want to get saved?" Mm-hmm. Without explaining what we're even told. What is salvation? What are we? What right. do we need to be saved from? Why should we be? What is you know? Do you want to get saved? Yeah. Okay. Well, pray after me. Lord, I'm a terrible person, and they're like, "Lord, I'm a terrible." They don't. They're not accepting that first. They have to right. accept that first. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Romans 3, 21 through 26, there's another verse on this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, but it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. Mm. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint— and his merciful restraint, as we talked about, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished mm-hmm. for the demonstration, that is, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So again, we see here that your salvation comes, it's by the grace of God, God yes. it's his gift, and we accept it through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And I kept this one in here, I, I went with this verse here too, because it uses the term propitiation, which I know yeah. you're a big fan of propitiation. I love, I love propitiation. Do you yes. want to talk about propitiation? Yeah, I can talk about propitiation, yeah. I think, so I, that's, I think it's an important word, because here's what we have to realize. Um, if we are operating under the barbaric ideas of atonement... Uh-huh human sacrifice there is no amount of blood spilled uh-huh. that would ever atone fully for our sins right there's not enough money in the world let me just put it that way so how i explain propitiation is this propitiation is is like a judge who sentences you to pay a fine and then offers to pay the fine for you right. out of their own pocket it's it's completely Absurd to think in this world that that would happen, but that's what God does. God says there is not enough. You don't have enough money. There's not you. Don't, you can't pay me. There's not enough money to give me. There's not enough birds or calves for you to sacrifice. You're never going to do it. Right. The only way to do this is to have one perfect, blameless lamb. And I'm not talking about a lamb. I'm talking this. We we need something bigger than this. We need a Jesus. Yeah. And so that's what Jesus does. And and you guys can't provide a Jesus. Only I can provide a Jesus. Right. And so I'm going to provide that Jesus. And so we think that helps us understand something that we are totally insufficient, Yeah. fully, no matter how good we are, even the best person yeah. can't. And so God says, I will pay the fine for you. Yeah. So, so when we talk about wrath, let's talk about a God who's willing to pay the fine for you. He's willing to take on his own wrath. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So again, you can be mad at him, but he's like, "Look, yes, the wrath is coming. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, but I'm more than happy to step in front of it right. for you. Right. I'll take that bullet for you. Right. You just have yeah. to admit that it's needed. Right. Exactly. You know? right. Yeah. And that's and that's how and that's really that's the truth. That's how what he's saying. That's how easy this is. Just acknowledge. You just say, hey, God, I need you to stand in my place, and He says, I will gladly go there for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, 
as you were talking about that, you know, we we talked in our last thing about how we have this nature of Adam, this nature of sin, right? You know, and like how that was kind of this like Adam and Eve when when they ate of the tree mm-hmm. gave kind of gave away our innocence. Right, 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 yeah. And that's what's required is innocence. Right. Right? So, like, if the person who does the crime pays for the crime, then it's only just just. Right. But the only way that it can cover everyone is when the innocent person, the only way it can overturn the system is when the innocent person willingly pays the price for the guilty. Yeah, because I'll pay my, I'll pay the price for my, like, if I don't have Jesus, I'll pay my own price. But I can't pay your price, too. Right. You know, I mean, and, and this gets into, I know, some kind of, like, weird... Christian doctrine things of, you know, purgatory and praying people from this and that. And I'm not trying to get into all that. But what I am saying is Jesus is the the example that I can't pay for you and you can't pay for me. We can only pay for ourselves. But right. Jesus says, I'll pay for all y'all. Right. But if we're paying for <laughs> ourselves, the wages of our sin is eternal it's still, death. It's still death. It's, it's eternal right. death, right? So it's, yeah. And so Jesus says, I'll pay for all y'all. And then you get to go in. Right, you know, and that's that's the that's that's the that's like I said, propitiation is such a hard word to understand because it's it would never happen, right? But because he, in this world, you know, but because he's innocent, he then overcomes death. He overcomes everything, just like Aslan on that slab, exactly, right? exactly, right. <laughs> right, and then comes back to just murder right. all those uh, whatever they were, the, the yeah. ice people. Yeah, right. still haven't read that book. Oh yeah, uh, it's okay. The movie was better. That's right. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> all right, um, I get that movie mixed up with Golden Compass. And I'm pretty sure that's like an Atlas shrug, like almost no, like yeah. The Golden Compass, if I'm not mistaken, is from is from somebody else, and we're really derailed here. But <laughs> C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah, um, as uh, as like his his uh, allegory to the life in Christ, Christ, right? Christ, right exactly. And, and so Aslan is Jesus, and right. there's all, yeah. all that's there. Uh, so the Golden Compass is part of another set of books that somebody else wrote as a response. That's what I thought. Yeah, and it's called his Dark Material because he his whole point is that I don't need this allegory. I can write a better story than Christ because they were this guy didn't believe in God. Sure, right. And so he took offense to the fact that that C.S. Lewis and Tolkien put their faith in their works. And uh, not to be confused with faith and works, but they put their personal faith in, in their works and action. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and he wanted to. So anyway, so clearly he wasn't saved, is what you're saying. Yeah. So this other guy was yeah. not saved. He uh, did not accept the right. tenets of salvation. Yes. Right. But what we were talking about though is that you are saved by faith through grace. Right. That is the substitutionary atonement. Half of the New Testament is Paul writing to churches to say that the work was completed in Christ and that they cannot earn justification on their own, right. that they should stop trying and that they shouldn't be led astray to that. And that's because Judaism is based on a lot of works. You do these things, you get there. Right. And they fail. And so Paul's trying to remind them, like, guys, you're, you're, you're constantly failing. Yeah. You need Jesus. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing is that Christianity is born out of Judaism. Right. And that's, that's fantastic. But that has to be... That has to decline. It has to, right, right. Um, at well, least be- that practice has. To. Well, that's because it's rooted in the law, not the lawgiver, right? It's right. not Jesus. It's right. so, yeah, right. So Ephesians two eight nine says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." Mm-hmm. Right. So that's you know, podcast over. That's salvation. Faith. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Faith well, that's all Grace our podcast so far. That's righteousness. Our righteousness is found in our identity in Christ. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
no. So what else do we need to know, though? Because obviously there's more to this conversation. Right. And there's going to be things that are going to hang people up. Um, so let's walk through a few of these things. Sure. I think the first thing we need to talk about is repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, so Acts 26, 19 through 20. This is Paul in front of King Agrippa. He says, for that reason, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient in the heavenly vision. And this is him telling King Agrippa about his response to his Damascus Road Right, experience. right. Um, I did not prove disobedient in the heaven to the heavenly vision, but continually proclaimed to those in Damascus first and in Jerusalem and then all of the regions of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they are to repent mm-hmm. and turn to God, performing deeds mm-hmm. consistent with repentance. Right. Right? Sounds a lot like works. Right, right, right. Um, so when we talk about repentance, we, you know, we have to th- think about that in this mindset of repentance is to change one's mind mm-hmm. and t- and I, I love this. Um, I, I got this out of Blue Letter Bible. Mm-hmm. To look upon your past sins with abhorrence. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like repentance is to look back at what you did. Mm-hmm. I, I told this story, I forget when, but like there were times in Bible college where I would hear people talk about their past life almost longingly. <laughs> right, right. And almost As like, the glory days. As almost boastfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah, glory yeah. days. Uh-huh. And you should have seen the things I got up yeah. to, buddy. <laughs> you know, like... Times were wild, I'll tell you what. <laughs> One-up sitting contest? Right. Yeah. That's not abhorrence. Right, right. That's not, that doesn't feel like repentance. Now, I'm not right. saying those people were not repentant. No, sure. I'm just saying they were misguided in how they look back on these things. Right. But I think this is important for us to look at and say, we should look at sin mm-hmm. with abhorrence. Right. This is, this is not okay. We don't want this. We don't want to be a part of this. We don't want to touch this. Right, right. To repent is literally to turn, yes. to turn away from. And so, like you said, to turn your back on. And so I think that that's part of one of the one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is even Jesus says, "Come, the time to repent is near, or the kingdom of God is near." Yeah, repent and be. You know, so even Jesus has this idea of repentance from the very beginning. It's in Mark. If you just look right off the bat in Mark, when he goes into ministry, he first says, "So repentance is a thing." Yeah, it's and it's a necessary thing in the Christian life. Uh, repentance is really to the precursor. To justification. Right. Right. So, um, and this is how you know that you're having a genuine justification moment. Right. Right. Is that you've recognized a need to repent. Yes. And a need to change your direction, to change your course. Um, If you consider John the Baptist, he was the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Mm -hmm. And what was he preaching? He was preaching preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Right. It's like you need to repent in order to receive that right. forgiveness. Well, that right. goes back to the podcast, you know, the last time we talked with with the nature of 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 humanity. Yeah. If your nature is rooted in the flesh, if you are to truly change your nature, if Jesus is to change your nature, you have to turn from the flesh to the spirit. And so it, so this is this is the the thing that I, I think people need to understand. There is no salvation apart from repentance. Right. If 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 you if you say I am a sinner and I am blah 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 and I need you Jesus and you know you do all those prayers and you do, but you change nothing and you think nothing and you continue doing everything as before you've missed the confession right because you haven't repented right right this is where we talk about the sinner's prayer and where somebody might get concerned uh, if we gloss over it right is that it requires a genuine desire to change yes right yes and that is that repentant heart. Yes. Um, so yeah. So understanding your need that you need to repent of your sin is that catacly- um, catalyst for justification. Yes. Um, and then that's carried out by the grace of God through sanctification. Right. 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 Uh, 
Okay, so next part that we need to talk about then with salvation is baptism. Right. Is baptism required for salvation, Brandon, on the spot? A hundred percent. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, hold on. Uh, no, no, I think so. So here's how we, we I mean, this is, this is our theology of baptism here, and this is based on what we've seen and read in Scripture. Um, and I think we even, we even kind of addressed a little bit of this when we talked about legalism with Nick yeah. and, 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 and being baptized to be saved. Um, you know, I personally believe that the Bible does not say that you have to be baptized to be saved because you believe that because it doesn't. Yeah, 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 <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. And so, 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 so I don't. I, I'm trying not to step on too many toes here, and and you know, say yeah. the truth at the same time. And so, so one of the things that you see is that baptism. What here's how we define it: baptism is an is an outward expression of an inward transformation or an inward change. And so, as we talked about last episode, baptism literally is a metaphor for dying to yourself. You go yeah. under and you come up. A prime example that we always there that I always use is old Jeff on the cross, right? right? Jeff being the thief on the cross accepts Jesus, acknowledges Jesus, confesses who he is, right. and then dies. He doesn't get he doesn't get off the cross, he doesn't get baptized, he doesn't no But Jesus tells him today I tell you the truth, I will you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus says you're getting in, you're going to make it. Yeah. And he's not a liar. So I would say that's a good that's a good evidence for for baptism not being a uh, a requirement of salvation. However, I do want to because I do because here's where all of our Baptist buddies are going to be like, please, well, why, well, so why do you need to be baptized? Well, I, I think there's two things. First off, Jesus said we should be sure, and if you if you're really truly making Jesus your Lord, you're going to do whatever the Lord says. So you should want to be baptized. I also think that there is a power in that metaphor, and there is a power witnessing said metaphor. I love. I think I've said this before, and I'm not knocking on our Catholic brothers and sisters, but it's funny they they baptize infants, we baptize right. adults, um, and and but they say something at their baptism, and I think I've said it before. Uh, they say, "Remember your baptism," and it's such an awesome line. Like it's like a powerful line because I remember my baptism. I remember. It was cold. I remember going under. I remember coming up. I remember going to Ponderosa. Um, right. You know, yeah, like that was that was a real good part of my baptism. Yeah, um, that's that's another very important part of baptism that they you find it in the Book of John. You got to go to Ponderosa after. Right, right, right. Um, but but I remember those things. And um, if you're baptized as a child, you don't really remember that. But I, but I, I say that to say I like to say that in front of our congregation when I baptize someone that this is remember when this happened to you because because there's a there is a there's a life-changing definitive thing that happens. Yeah. It's a memory. It's a it's a, it's a marker. A stones being stacked, if you yeah. will. You know. Um, so so baptism is certainly something we should want to do. But let me just put it this way: if you're on your deathbed and you're like, "Oh, Brandon, baptize me because I need to get into heaven," I'm going to say, "No, no, we need to have a different conversation." Right. The conversation is not baptized. It's let me talk to you about Jesus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Baptism cannot be an extra. It cannot be required because that's an extra requirement. It is exactly it's, right. It's no longer faith to grace. But we did say that, um, or grace to faith. Uh, we did say that you need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Right. Baptism is a public confession. confession. Exactly right? right. Yeah. Maybe it's just you and the one other person there. Right. But it is a st- outward statement. Exactly. I am not ashamed to say that I have given my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right, so it is a very powerful mile marker, and you shouldn't take it lightly, and you should absolutely look into doing that right. if you're at that stage in your life. Right, uh, but you know, it's it does not, it, it will not get you into heaven. Yeah, water water will not change things. Jesus right. will. 
All right, so no water, but what about works? Right. Hey, there hey. you go. The water works. Hey. <laughs> right. Good transition. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, like, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. We've we've made some hints at it, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think it's um, it's important to even note that, like, when we say you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, this is really – believing in your heart is is the faith. Right. And then confessing with your mouth is – It's, it's, it's a, a work. It's an action. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. To confess is – is uh, what is that? A, an, right. uh, not a – it's a verb. So what you – verbs or yeah. actions? Yeah, I got to go back to to my. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know nouns are persons, places, and things. I, I think know. verbs are actions, yeah. and it's a verb. Confessing is a verb. Yeah, and if it's not a verb, it's whatever the action word yeah. is. It's got to be because DC talks said that love is a verb. Oh, so, perfect. You know, and I'm down with the DC <laughs> talk. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what would people say? <laughs> right. So, but what about works? Like another right. thing that we say too is that to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Right. The word works is associated with Christ right. more than anybody else in the Bible. Oh, 100%. He performed works. He did right? stuff. Right. He went out right. and did stuff. And I think, too, we, we go to James. So James 2, 14 through 17. And this is where this is where it starts to get like, oh, man, maybe I should be doing things. Right. Uh, James says, what use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Right. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Mm -hmm. In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. If we jump down to 21 through 23, he says, Was our father Abraham not justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Right. You see that faith was working with his works, Mm -hmm. and as a result of the works— Faith was perfected, mm-hmm. and the scripture was fulfilled and says, and Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, mm-hmm. and he was called a friend of God. Mm-hmm. So again, we see here, James is really talking about, like, it's not enough to to just say, I believe, and to just say, I have right. faith. And he, he's got this great example here of, of Abraham, but he also ha- he also talks about Rahab after this. Right. And and, and here he also gives, says, hey, you see a brother or sister without clothing or in need, right. and you're like, oh, I'll just pray for you. <laughs> I pray for you, brother or sister, but you, don't, you right. don't perform any works to help them get food. Right. Right. And this is a, man, this is a verse that gets brought up against us as Christians all the time. Oh, 100%. Which yeah. Which is yeah. pretty disingenuous because I think, you know, Christians are uh, Christian organizations and Christians are the most charitable yeah. in all the world. Thanks for hospitals. We did right. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we, we you just kind of gloss over the fact that you, you miss this stuff. But, right. But like the point is like, it, do you really have faith if you're not willing to help people? Right. You know? And so again, we go back to this, you have to have faith mm-hmm. in Christ and then confess. So, but faith comes before the work. Right. Work right? is a fulfillment of faith. Right. So you're saved by grace through faith. Right. If you have genuine faith, it will produce genuine works. works. Exactly. And what what uh, James is saying here right. is like, if you're not producing genuine works, then I don't believe that you have faith. <laughs> right. Where's your Where's your evidence of the faith? Right? right. Because faith is going to call you to do things. Right. That's what faith does. Right. I think that's something that we sometimes miss is we, we talk about having a belief in Christ. Right. But do you live like you believe the Bible is true? A hundred percent. You know, and if if you're not believing like the Bible is true, then do you believe that it's true? It, I I always say this like to people, and you know, and even in a sermon or, or or to folks on Sunday mornings, is like if if someone heard that you were a Christian, would they be surprised? Right. That's not to say like oh oh you need to be you need to be work, but 
like, oh, you need to work and you need to do, but like there should be markers of Christianity. You know, it reminds me of the story. There was a guy that you and I both knew we, we worked with. And mm-hmm. uh, at the time you and I worked at the same company and he left that company. And I remember he came and talked to me and was like, hey, I'm leaving mm-hmm. to go, um, go take on a pastoral job mm-hmm. at this church. Oh, okay. And, and I remember him telling me, he's like, don't, because we were working in the in the secular market, <laughs> yeah. he was like, "Don't tell everybody else." I, I remember. Wanna, yeah, I don't want to have this conversation with people uh, like, "Oh, you're religious." He's like, "I just don't want to do that." Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I respected his wishes, but there was a part of me that was like, "So, like, first of all, you right. think you think that they don't already know that you're a Christian, right? <laughs> right, 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 and you don't want to have the conversation with them about why you're a Christian, right?" <laughs> Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be taking a position in a church <laughs> where you're supposed to tell everybody you're <laughs> right. a Christian. Yeah, because you. But you know what? It's much easier to do it when you're in the safety net of working for the church. Oh, hundred percent. Not trying to diss you for being a paid pastor. No, but, but it is. Oh, it is. You know, but it's it's very easy to stand in the pulpit and say you should go out and live like mm-hmm. the Bible is real. Sure. And then I'm sitting out there like, uh, but if I do that, I'm going to lose, lose my job. My job. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> well, but I and I think I think too. Like I, I as a pastor, I have the easiest out. It's my job. Right. So it's. You know, the, the 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 curse of being a pastor is telling people you're a pastor because all of a sudden everybody gets really holy around you. And you're like, you were just dropping F-bombs 20 seconds ago. Yeah. And now you're talking about all the Lord has done in your life. I'm like, sounds like the Lord needs to clean up that mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, I'm not saying, you, you know, whatever. But see, I was going to different like the conversation I always got when people found out that I was a Christian, mm-hmm. it would be like, oh, well, sorry for the cussing. Right. <laughs> I think that's great that you have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then like, and I'll try to respect that. And that was typically how the response was. You know, yeah. I remember one time in high school, there was a guy that, there was one guy that was like, that's absurd. Mm. And like, it's imaginary. And, and I remember there was this like, there was this kid who was on the football team who I let cheat off of me in history once. <laughs> and I think he took that as an act of love. And he, <laughs> and this kid was like, you know, this, this other child was saying something about derogatory about yeah, my yeah. beliefs uh-huh. and he like stood up like like sat up straight because he was like asleep in his chair <laughs> it sits up straight and was like that is important to him that is his personal faith and don't you dare attack him and the, you know this kid was going off and getting drunk after school and he was doing all these other things and right. he didn't believe in Christ right. but he saw authentic faith and sure. was like don't you dare attack so it was, I always got this like this, that's this awesome. response of respect which I thought was pretty cool oh that's cool uh, yeah I think when people know that yeah. here's the thing we convince ourselves that right. that people aren't going to respond well mm-hmm. because we see them on social media we mm-hmm. see them in passing mm-hmm. how they talk about it when they're not talking about an actual person mm-hmm. or when they're talking about like a political rival or somebody who said something that they don't like. Right. Well, and, and this is the difference too, right? When, when people think works, we I, a lot of people think we need to dress up like Jesus, right. walk on water, turn water into wine, be super holy, can't have any fun, right. can't have any like like that's that's not Je- Jesus turned water into wine at a party. Like let's right. be real. Like Jesus was a fun guy. Okay, he was a, yeah. Now, now Jesus probably didn't get drunk because that's a sin. So let, I mean, right. probably we know he didn't. So let me let me rephrase my words here. Um, but. But we know that Jesus had fun. We know that Jesus laughed. We know that Jesus cracked jokes. We see some jokes even in the Bible. We know that Jesus got frustrated. You know, so so Jesus knew people. He understood people. Mm-hmm. I think the the problem that the world has is they haven't seen Jesus. They've seen yeah. the Jesus that we put in drawings that's like elevated off this, you know, and he's doing that weird like Christ hand where he's always like touching his his fingers yeah. together. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, Jesus. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they haven't they haven't American seen Jesus. they haven't seen the Jesus who's touching lepers, and they haven't right. seen the. And I think when when so so when I tell people, oh, you know. 
proclaim your faith, that doesn't mean go out and talk about um, how holy you are and how Jesus and how you're going. It, it a lot of times is just simply being the hands and feet of Jesus, which goes back to James's work mentality. Is right. is if is if you truly are believing in this this man, Jesus, and yeah. truly making him your Lord, you're going to do things that are sometimes unexpected. Right. You know? I think it's important to point out, and I think we've talked about this in the past, Jesus, though, he goes out of his way to say, don't don't draw attention to the things that you're doing. Exactly right. right. The world yeah. is... The, and that's why the world gives us a bad rap and says we're right. not doing anything, is because we don't boast about it. Right. You know, the church doesn't boast about right, it. Some right. people do, but, right. but the church as a whole has not been boastful about its... Contributions to society. Sure, oh, one hundred percent. Okay, yeah. so works. You can't earn salvation through no, works. You cannot. But if you have genuine faith, it should produce a genuine. If you believe in your heart, you yeah. will confess. And right. confession is not just verbal; it's action too. Exactly. Yes. All right. All right. So now, really important question. Right. Okay. So. I genuinely believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. I I say the sinner's prayer. I've mm-hmm. committed my life to Christ. Yes. Can I lose my salvation or am I now done? Good to go. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Never have to have this. Yeah, just clock out. You're done. Just clock out. Yeah. 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 The rest of your life doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. Nothing you say or do will be held against you in a court of law. Right. Um, yeah. If you haven't heard the sarcasm in my voice, <laughs> I think you know you think you know where I'm going with this one. Right. After you have, and this is this is Wesley. Wesley says you sanctification is a process. Sometimes you're moving forward. Sometimes you're moving backwards. Right. Um, as in, like it, it goes both ways. It really should only go one way, but we sometimes take ourselves out of the process. Sure. Does that make sense? I think it does. Yeah. I, I think we have to conclude that people will confess that Christ is Lord and then later not be saved. Right. Uh, and I th- we see biblical evidence for this. So right. uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Mm-hmm. Sounds like works. Mm-hmm. Uh, many will <laughs> say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and mm-hmm. in your name perform many miracles? Again, sounds like works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, mm-hmm. you who practice lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting because we can see that not everyone who thought they were saved will actually be saved. Right. Um, and Jesus says that it's because they didn't do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting, though, is they did perform works. They right. did perform miracles. Right. Right. Um, so... You know, should then we perform works? Because he also says you you didn't do the will, mm-hmm. but he's kind of showing like, okay, you have to do the will of God, and these are well, we did the will of God. Right. He's like that wasn't the will of God. Right, right, right. You know, uh, the will of God was that you know Christ. Right, and right. he didn't, and he says, depart from me, I do not know you. Right, that's the key word there is I don't know you. Yeah. Who are you? Right. So what's that question is the sincerity uh, of faith. Yes. Right? So even though they perform miracles, they were lawless. He describes them as lawless. Atheists know Jesus. Right. Demons know Jesus. Yeah, they know who he is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they know that Jesus knows them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important when we talk about our salvation. Um, 
because you have a moment of justification where you recognize and you confess, and that can be 100% completely genuine. I mean, and that can be that you can mean it in that moment the most you can possibly mean it. You enter into the process of, of, of sanctification. You enter into life and you grow. And as growing happens and things happen, somewhere along the way, you can lose sight of your faith and you can choose. And I think it's, I said this to you earlier. You can choose to lose your salvation. No one can steal yeah. your salvation from you, but you can choose to give it up. Right. You can choose to deny Christ. Because I think that's the bigger question is, can I lose my salvation? Well, what is salvation? Well, salvation is a belief in Jesus. So the only way to lose that is to deny that belief in Jesus. Right. I think it's important to point out, too, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe he is who he said he is. Exactly. Which right. means it requires submission. Exactly right. Because if you love him, you will exactly obey Exactly right. Obey him. Yes. So uh, Matthew 24, 11 through 12 says, and many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. Mm-hmm. And because lawlessness is increased... Most people's love will become cold, mm. but the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. Right. So again, we see a claim of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Again, it's mis- it's associated with people who mislead people with falseness about Jesus, right? With false works, uh, and Jesus says you need to have endurance, right? Because it's too easy to become cold, right? During this, right? So the one who makes it to the end, right, will be saved, right? Exactly. So so there there you do have to hold out. Oh, 100%. Right. Well, even just even look at the process. Okay, justification, that's finished when you say, I, I believe. Sanctification isn't the end goal. Right. Justification isn't the end goal. Sanctification isn't the end goal. Glorification is actually the end goal because right. glorification is where we are made complete, blameless before the Lord. Yeah. Okay. And and like I said, Wesley argued that that's darn near impossible. And so for 99.9999999999% of people, that's going to happen at death. And that's probably the most common understanding of glorification happens at death. So that that means up until the day you die, you could lose it if you chose to forfeit it. Right. Because sanctification lasts that whole time. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh so that takes us to Revelation 3:15 through 16. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Mm. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, somebody illuminated this for me um, recently, and I had never really thought of it this way. um, And it made much more sense. So I want to dive into that real quick. But, um, you know, uh, you like coffee. I like coffee, yes. Okay. Um, Iced coffee or hot coffee? I either, really. I mean, right. Yeah. So the correct answer is hot coffee, but iced coffee is acceptable. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Sure. So if you get a hot coffee, mm-hmm. so I have to do this. I get a hot coffee. I can't drink it right away. I have to let it cool down a little bit and then I drink it. Right. But if I let it cool down too much, it gets like right. yeah, room good, temperature. Yeah. And that's even worse. And that's worse. Yeah. Same thing with iced coffee. If I don't drink it really fast, it's warm. It gets, it starts to get right. room temperature. Right. You see where I'm going with right. this? Yeah. So a lot of times people looked at this and said hot and cold was saved and unsaved. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. And so, like, well, I'd rather you be saved or unsaved and not somewhere in between. Right. And it's kind of like, well, it's in between saved and unsaved. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of saved? Kind of trying to understand that. Yeah, right. But if you think about it in context of of how a cold drink becomes warmer and a uh, hot, hot drink, drink becomes, becomes colder, colder right. when it's left to be influenced by the temperature in the room. Right, 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 right. Right? And this goes, again, this goes back to Jesus saying that you— you need to have endurance that others, their love will become cold. Right, right. right? So if you let the world mm-hmm. take it out of you right, until you are even temperature with the world, right, 
Now you're lukewarm. Right. Right. So right. lukewarm is really unsafe. Right. Right. So you could have been hot mm-hmm. and you, or you could have been cold, sure. deliciously cold brewed. Right. You know. Uh, <laughs> right. But that lukewarm is really when you let the world influence it. Yeah. Influence you. Sure. That's a good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and that's a, and that's a choice that you have to renew right. every day. Yeah. Right. Right. You have to get back on that warmer. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> Galatians 1, 6 through 7 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which mm-hmm. is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Right. So again, in Galatians, we see this um, where Paul is calling them out. Like, you knew the gospel. Right. And now you're doing something else. Right. Accepting something else. Uh, he And... Uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Mm. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Galatians had right. this spiritual evidence of salvation. Right. Right? They, right. they had the, the evidence of it. Right. But now they are turning to a different gospel. Right. Right. So this, to me, lends itself to the idea that you could be saved. Right. And now you're not. Yeah, I, I think I think you I think you can. I think the idea of like like you just said, the idea that the Galatians have, they believe, they hear, but then just like in the example of the lukewarmness, something within the world changes them. Right. Now, it's not that they it, and again, I want to reiterate this cuz this is no one can steal your salvation. There's right. no one that can come in and be like you're not saved anymore. Mm-hmm. You on the other hand can easily give it up. Right. If you allow the the world to turn you from <laughs> to turn your turning. <laughs> if you if if you if you stop repenting, and you start turning the opposite direction. Um, you know, there's an old old school Christian term which is called like backsliding. You ever yeah. heard that word, like yeah. backsliding? And backsliding is always one of those things, especially in the old uh, you know old kind of church days. Backsliding didn't mean that you weren't unsaved. It means that you were sliding in the wrong direction. Yes. You were heading towards going away from. You're, you're going away from God now. And eventually, if you backslide enough, you will be. Outside of God's will, outside of God's belief, and I and I have a personal I have a personal story, right? I, I you know I shared my story really early on in this podcast. Like I was baptized at the age of seven, and I genuinely believed, and I genuinely no one forced me to do it. I felt compelled to do it. I believed the best I possibly could. I was involved in church. I did all the right things, and I believed all the right things. But then I went into the world, and I left the comfort of my family, and I left the comfort of my home and my home church, and I went out on my own. And what I didn't have was well. First off, I didn't I didn't feel like I had a full foundation there to, to, to withstand the world. But I also didn't have. I only had you know you know the old cartoon devils like there's a devil and an angel. Mm-hmm. I only had the devil. I didn't get the angel. Like the angel never showed up on my shoulder. I only had the devil telling me how dumb all of my faith has been and how misguided I've been. And so my rejection of Jesus wasn't rooted in like. Um, I hate you, God, or I hate this, or blah, 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 blah. It was rooted in this, I was lied to. It was, I was, and so I rejected Jesus. Then I came back around and, and realized, okay, this is, this is, this is absurd. There is a God and the God of the universe sent his son to die, you know, and that's when I became a Christian. And so, so I would easily say, was I saved in the time I was rejecting Jesus? No. Now, 
let me go, let me get a little weirder here. There's another term in, in when it comes to salvation. Um, we talk about, especially Wesley talks about, which is called provenience. And mm -hmm. so provenience comes before justification. Right. And provenience is God's love and grace regardless of whether you accept him or not. God is just that loving and graceful mm -hmm. that he cares for you. Now, he he will not bless disobedience and he will not cover you when you make stupid mistakes, but he still loves you right. he's st and he's still there for you. And so I would say in between you know, graduating high school and in between college or graduating college when I was really rejecting the Lord, there was provenience where God was going before me and doing things. And I look back and I say, thank you, God. But I definitely wouldn't say I was saved. Was I saved before? Yeah, I mean, now that brings up that big old age old question, right? Well, was was were I really saved at age seven? Was I really saved at age eighteen when I still believed? Right. You know, and I think that that's that's a question that a lot of people ask: Were you saved, and then can you fall out of your save, salvation, and then can you come back? Well, I think you know the fantastic and and uh, amazing theologians, the OC Supertones, said <laughs> in one of their songs, "If if and I quote: If you used to be a Christian, then you never was just sitting up in church." And saying what a Christian does, yeah. So, like, is that the truth of it? Is is it just that if you backslide out of salvation and you leave the faith, mm -hmm. were you never in the faith to begin with? I think that that's. I I don't think that that's true, right? I I, I you can absolutely walk away from God, right? Right, and um. The, the thing that people struggle with, though, is they say, well, if I had a real experience with God, right. if he showed me like a, a burning bush right, right, right. or a, a what have you, like I would know that he is God mm -hmm. and and I would never right. turn my back on him. You know, well, tell that to Gideon, <laughs> right, 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 who, right? Who tested God like five, seven, eight times, right. you know, <laughs> and, and saw the mm -hmm. work of God and then still mm -hmm. turned to idols. Mm -hmm. Tell that to Samson. Sure. Who the Holy Spirit would overcome and he would have the strength to defeat his enemies. Sure. And then he would still play games with harlots. Sure. You know, and and think that nothing could ever hurt him. Tell that to Solomon. I was gonna say Solomon's a great example. He had yeah. all he had all the wisdom. Right. Had all this wisdom and yeah. still went against his own wisdom. Right. Yeah. He's he's the one who's like, hey, don't accept foreign gods and then gave right. over to all the foreign gods. Right. Yeah. So it talks about like the importance of of, you know, like having a <laughs> A, a pure relationship with your right. wife and then has how many wives? <laughs> yeah, right? more than you can count. Yeah, right. it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, And allows himself to be swayed right. by temptation right. after writing all of these great sayings about not being swayed by, by don't right. be a fool. And then he right. goes and, and is a fool. Right. You know, like these individuals, you look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament is, is literal. Well, then look in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. You know, how is Judas not convinced? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, these things will happen. A sign is not what is going to convince most people. Right. And just because you had a sign, there are many people who have experienced supernatural things mm -hmm. and have found a way to explain it away later. Right, right, right. You know, or have found a way to justify doing something different later. Uh-huh. You know, like— Right. And again, like Moses. Yeah. You know, like his obedience to God got them out of Egypt. Right. His obedience to God got them water. Yeah. His disobedience to God kept him out of the promise. Right. Exactly right. right. Yeah. He had seen it all. All he had to do was what God told him. He literally to do. split a sea in half. Right. And God was like, all right, now go take care of those guys. And he's like, wait a minute. We can't do that. Right. We, right. we can't go there. Right. Exactly. So you could absolutely have salvation. Right. You could absolutely be genuinely saved. And then turn your back on that because you found something that feels more desirable. Right. That that you think is more 
acceptable to you. Right. And you move on. I, I want to point this out to you while we, while we talk about it. There's a difference between giving up your faith in Christ right. and having questions. A hundred percent. And having doubts. Right. 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 Because here's the thing. Faith, uh, contrary to popular belief, isn't blind. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you should have questions. The right. The problem comes is, is when you don't address them. Yeah. You know, or you look to the world for the answers. Right. Right. So you go out and you, and you say, well, I know that there's tons of historical research on the evidence of Christ, but right. I'm going to watch this YouTube video from, from uh, right. you know, the history a, channel. agnostic philosopher yeah. X6X6 <laughs> X6 yeah. and, and, and get their opinion on it. Right. And they're going to tell me about the lost tablets of Bubba Hotep right. and, and how Jesus was borrowed. And even though there's no historicity for that. Mm-hmm. Like, they swapped. Yep. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Be smart about it. Pursue those questions with reverence. Right. And and look to Christ to answer those questions for you. A hundred percent. Don't look to the world that wants to disprove Christ. Right. Look to Christ. Right. And that was my problem was I was looking at all sorts of people who who were agreeing with my disagreement. You know what I mean? I wasn't looking at any other person that was like, yeah, actually, I think you're wrong. I'm, you know, like I do think God is real, you know? And so, but I will say this too. I think that when it comes to this question, especially these two questions, can you lose your salvation? And if you did lose your, if you did deny Christ after accepting Christ, were you really saved that first time? I think the better question is this, who cares? Um, Let me explain what I mean by that, (laughs) because here's the reality. It's not, the question is not when were you saved? It's, are you saved? This is an active question. This yes. is right now. And so no, I, I think it's important to know, like, hey, here's when, you know, here was my moment of justification. Here was my moment of the but the the bigger question, the greater question, the more pressing question is going to be, are you living into your salvation at this very moment? Because right. then then there is no question. Right. Right. And I think for a lot of people, the OC supertones are, I think, right. <laughs> you know, there well, there there are a lot of people who say we are Christians and show up and go to church. Right. They have no faith and they have no works. They just simply have church attendance. And that's not even a work. It's more of a chore. We get up, we do it, we knock it off our list. And so I think we have to be careful there because if you're one of those people right now saying, well, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not, um, there are some people who are like, well, that's a bad <laughs> – that probably means you're not. It could mean that, but I think it means go back and examine what where where is the fruit in your life? Mm-hmm. Where where is the confessing in your life? Where is the belief and faith in your life? Yeah. So if you don't see the faith and the belief, that means you haven't had your moment of justification. Right. If you don't see the confession, you don't have the sanctification. And if you're not living in the sanctification, then that probably means you're not. Right. So it doesn't matter what happened ten years ago, it matters what happens right now. What are you gonna do now? Right. You know? Yeah. I think it's a great point. It's why are you even asking the question? What led you to that right. question? Because I've I've had debates with people who are like, "Well, you weren't saved when you were seven. I'm like, "Look, like, first off, that's kind of belittling a seven year old's faith, right? And then I'm also like, "By the way, like, who cares? I'm saved now, and I know I'm saved now because X, Y, I can show you the fruit, mm-hmm. you know. So why are we debating twenty years ago? Like, let's debate right now. Are you saved right now? Right. And I think, like I said earlier, salvation is a decision we renew every single day. We make that confession every day. We operate in that faith every day. And if that's the case, this idea of absolution, which is, am I saved forever, uh-huh. is never a question. Right. Because you, you you wake up every morning saying, I'm choosing to be saved today. I'm choosing to believe and I'm choosing to live out my faith. So, yeah. yeah. Well, when this question comes up, I think it really – it speaks. There's an elephant in the room right now. When people talk about once saved, always saved. Right. What they're kind of leading into often is Calvinism. Oh, of course. Predestination. Sure. So 
were we predestined for salvation? And like, while this does speak to Calvinism, we're not mm-hmm. going to deep dive in Calvinism right now. Sure. That's, that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> right. Uh, and, but this is a conversation about, you know, like, so when I hear predestination, right. what I'm hearing is it really didn't matter what you did. God has already predetermined that you would be saved. Right. And then that so-and-so would not. Right. Right. Um, so it really never mattered what you did. Right. It kind of makes you feel like free will is an illusion. Sure. You know, um, so, like, is there a reason to believe in predestination uh, and that we're saved through predestination? No. 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 I mean, can I make it easier? I don't know. I mean, look, here's here's how I, I like to I like to talk about predestination. There's a difference when you're playing chess. There's a difference between knowing your opponent's next move and making their move for them. Yeah. Right? So – I've played chess a couple times recently. My son Landry's really getting into it. And so like I kind of know what's happening. Like I can kind of see on the board where this is going. I can see who's left and I can see, oh, if I put my guy here, he's going to jump me here. That doesn't mean I'm moving his positions. He has free will. He can, and sometimes, especially Landry, can really throw you for a loop because you're kind of like, oh, didn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing. God's never surprised but God doesn't move the pieces on the chessboard. Right. God knows every move you're going to make because he's God. That's just it's in his nature. He can't help it. Even if he closed his eyes, he'd still know. You know, yeah. if, if we're talking metaphorically, God has eyes. Anyway, um, but but God knows, but he doesn't tell, he doesn't say, no, I need you to move that piece here and, right. and piece here. And so t- but tulip Calvinism that talks about total depravity and all of these things, um, predestination, um, says that the game's already over. Don't even play. That's the way it feels for sure. Yeah, that's that's yeah, basically I think, I think what it is. Calvinists might argue against that. Yeah, they they'll they'll argue that every move that you've been make has been has been pre pre predetermined, right? And that God knew every move you were going to make. Well, but the difference is they're they're saying that God is holding the chess piece, well, and yeah. we're saying no, God isn't holding the chess piece. He's playing the game. He knows the game. He created the board. He created the board. He created the rules. Yeah, <laughs> he know and he knows he knows every move possible. He's like a AI computer, you know, like he can he can he's like Chat GPT for chess. I don't know what that is, but like he's like that he's like that chess player who's recently got cheating. You hear about that? Like the guy he he was using he was using AI. AI and making moves that AI would make. And AI was doing like 3,000 calculations. To like, So you would move yours and the AI would know out of all the 4,000 moves you're going to make, this is the best move. Yeah. And so he was using – like that's God. But God's not still moving your chess piece. So I think something we'll have to talk about at a later date is, is God in control and what does that mean? Uh, I think that's a podcast for right. a later date. Right, right. Uh, but I was predestined to bring up these scriptures. Yes. Good, good. Second <laughs> Peter 3.9. I'm just going to paraphrase them. Second Peter 3.9 is where it says that it's God's will and desire that none perish. Right. Doesn't sound like somebody who would only choose some and not others. Right. Um, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he commissions us to make disciples of all, all nations. Nation. Yeah. Right. So again, what's the point of doing that if it's already set before us? Right. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, Jesus died for all so that all would no longer live for themselves, but for him. Right. And in the term all, there is, there's not some weird Greek, it's just... Every Everyone. person, it yeah, is it both is. individually and yeah. collectively. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah those those are some those are just three scriptural reasons I'd say predestination is not a thing. Right, right. No, it. We have free will. Right, we do. I can. I, I have a million things I could do as soon as I leave this room, or right now, even in this room. There's words I could even yell into this mic if I wanted to, but I could. Yeah. But my nature has been changed to. 
only desire things that God desires. Now, that's not always the case. I got to choose that every day. But still, you see what I'm saying? Like, Like every option's available to me. Yeah. So get that tulip out of here. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. Kind of our last point here, we're going to break down, um, you know, what must I do to be saved? We want to look at the story of the rich young ruler in Mark. Right. So Mark 10, 17 through 23 says this, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Mm -hmm. But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Mm -hmm. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all your possession, all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Mm-hmm. Um, now we see later in Matthew, uh, well, I don't know if it's later or not, it's a different book. Matthew six twenty four. <laughs> Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, and that's a principle that goes beyond just wealth, but, you know, like we talked about this in the last episode, there's right. two natures. You, right. you either love God or you hate God. Right. It's one of the two. Right. You either love sin or you hate sin. Right. It's one of the two. Right. Um, So when we break down this passage, what we see here is, I think, real simple. You cannot be safe through the law. Right. Right. Because he's like, how do I get eternal life? You cannot get eternal life by completing the law. Because Jesus says there's still something you lack. Right. Even though he says, I have kept... I've done all these things. Yes. Yeah. I've done these things. I've kept the commandments. Right. Right. Well, again, we've talked about this already. Mm Mm-hmm. If you've not kept one of them, you've not, not kept, kept all, all of them. them. Exactly. Right? Um, so the young ruler had kept the commandments, but that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So he's charged um, to put following Jesus ahead of his wealth. Now, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at this and say, well, he was rich and he didn't want to give to the poor. Mm-hmm. Being charitable was not the issue. Right. No, right? This no was, not at all. It was not about whether or not he gave stuff to the poor. He had to give up literally everything. His life. Right? Yes. And when he does, it has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's going to the poor. Right. And now you have to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he grieved because he owned a lot of property. Mm-hmm. He had this identity in what mm-hmm. he did and in his wealth right. and how he had built his life. Right. And Jesus said, drop what you want to do. And follow me. And follow me. Right. And that, I think, is the thing that was the issue. That's what grieved him. And he yes, couldn't... 100%, yes. He wanted to serve his own ambitions mm-hmm. and still have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, you have to serve me right. if you want to have eternal life. That's the difference between... You know, we talk about the 12 disciples, but the, Jesus called a lot of people. Yeah. And he said the same thing to them, same thing to all of them, follow me. Yeah. And the 12 were the ones who said, okay, we'll follow you. We'll, 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 we will drop everything and follow you. Now, there were more who joined along the way, um, but... But that is the the rich young ruler's problem is not that he is not a charitable person. Right. It's not that he is even a wealthy person. It's that he does not want to give up his identity. Right. What he's doing to follow Jesus. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people with salvation yeah. struggle. Well, going back to C.S. Lewis. Right. 
um, he made this case and, and talked about how a lot of people are afraid that they will lose their individuality or their personality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they surrender to Christ. Right. But he talks about how in reality, you can never truly be mm-hmm. your fullest self unless right. you have submitted to Christ, right. because it was for his purpose that he designed you. So you'll never get the most out of yourself if you've not put yourself in his hands. Right, yeah. right, because you, you can't. You're incomplete. Right. Right, and I think that's where with with salvation, a lot of people. Um, this again goes to that that kind of dichotomy: making Jesus your savior and making Jesus your lord. Right, savior is faith; lord is works. Right, mm-hmm. lord is I will serve you. I will go wherever you go. You call me to go to Timbuktu. I'm going to Timbuktu. Savior is I am a sinner. I am I am unholy. My righteousness is only through you. You know, you have to have both because yeah. if you only if you only have the savior. Which is what which is what the rich young ruler has. Rich young ruler has the same. He calls him good, and they love Jesus. Jesus catches it because Jesus knows what he's trying. He's saying like like good good teacher. He's saying like look, I recognize who you are. Like he's calling and he says, who do you? Only God is good. Right. He's reminding him, hey, even Jesus this, is pointing. This goes back to what we said earlier, right? He knew that Jesus was of God, from God, and possibly God Himself. Exactly right. Right. He knew that. He knew it. And he still rejected it. And he rejected it. Right. And Jesus knew because Jesus said, you've done all the right things. You are a good person, um, but you lack one thing. Mm-hmm. You're not following me. Right. You, you have, you've made me your savior. Like, and that's what, that was the thing. A lot of people were quick to make Jesus, even back in the Bible times. We see this on the cruise, the cross is just, right. Jesus was the, a lot of people's savior because they all thought he was the Messiah. Right. But then when he died on the cross... They didn't want to make him their lord anymore. You know what I mean? Because right. when when he when he says follow me, now they're like, oh wait a minute, wait no no, you're supposed to do everything for us, Jesus. And that's that's I think the trick with salvation that a lot of Christians have today is Jesus, you're supposed to do everything. And Jesus says, I have done everything, but now I'm calling you to do some things too. Right. You know, that's I I I think I've said this, and maybe you've you've even said it before, like like the it 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 costs nothing to follow Christ, and yet costs everything. Right, yeah. because because the, the the cost of 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 accepting Jesus is very low. He doesn't ask for any money. He doesn't ask for anything. But once you make that decision, the cost is very high. Yeah. Because then he says, now, now that you recognize, but see, this this goes back to what we were talking about last episode. When you really truly recognize who Jesus is, you want to be you want to be a slave. Right. <laughs> you don't want to be a servant. You say, no, God, I want to be a slave. Right. I want I I want every I want to be so submissive to you that my entire life is is you. And so I think that that's that's where a lot of Christians stop, though. Right? They 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 hear salvation. They say, yes, I am a sinner. Um, but then they lack the repentance, and then they lack well, the change. We accept it. We accept it uh, in an ideological sense. Yes. But we fail to walk it out because, well, yes, it's true, but it's only the things that God has called me to do. He right. hasn't called me to do those things. Oh, yeah. He hasn't called me to give up everything. Right. He hasn't called me to sell all my things. Right. But if he did, I certainly would. Right, right, right. I certainly would, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, but, you know, but I'm going to do these things and, and let God kind of direct me as, and like, look, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Don't go sell all your property unless the Holy Spirit told you. A hundred percent, yeah. Right? That's, you know, but he needs to be Lord. Right. He needs to be in charge. Right. And you need to find a way to do that. Right. Right? And and don't make excuses for it or say, well, I would if this or I would if sure. that. And that's how I know that I've submitted is that if he did ask this of me, I would do it. Right. There's something he's asking of you right now. Right. Exactly. Right? And I think, again, this goes back to the repentance aspect of it as well. Like you, if you're out there saying I, I want eternal life. I right. want salvation. I I don't want to be without God. Right. 
you have to know what you're getting into. Yes. So first you have to understand that, like, look, I'm I'm done with sin, mm-hmm. and I'm repenting of that. Right. I'm confessing Christ mm-hmm. in both my word and my action, Yes. because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt in my heart that right. he is God, that he died, he rose again. And now you have to go into that sanctification phase, right. and you have to walk it out. Right. And this is that part where, you know, people will then... Like it gets so muddled with like, oh, but that's legalism or this is that. And mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, no, look, have a genuine reaction to Christ. Yeah. Have a genuine connection to Christ. Right. Yeah. If you have a true belief in Christ, yes. you will follow him. Mm-hmm. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. Right. If you believe in him, you'll keep his commission. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so again, like, I, yeah, of course I believe that Jesus Christ saved me sure. from eternal death. Sure. But I, why would I tell anybody else? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I, well, then I wonder if you truly believe it. Right. You know, maybe you do believe that he saved you, but you're you're going to have to work through, you're going to have to go through some sanctification right. to get over that fear right. and that doubt and that concern about what might happen to you if you confess to somebody publicly. Right. And 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 if if you truly understand it, you understand that that statement there that Jesus is the son of God who died on a cross, that is the single most freeing statement you could ever share with anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, how you share that, when you share that, again, see, this is where, like you said, legalism creeps in because this is where we start to put a bunch of rules. No, it's the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the thing that leads and guides us and tells us. And the spirit isn't, a, isn't God is not a God of confusion either. That's right. biblical. So the spirit isn't going to say some really off the wall, crazy thing that completely denies the scripture, completely denies what God is saying to me. But the spirit is going to speak different things to you than he is going to speak to me. That doesn't mean we're going to contradict, but you might be called to give everything away. I might be called to hold on to everything because 10 years from now, God needs me to give it to this person. You see what I'm saying? Like, like we, we don't, we don't know what God, but, but this, this thing that we should hold in unity is that we're both willing to do it whenever God says it. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that is where a lot of Christians get stuck mm-hmm. is because um, they're kind of like Ananias and Sapphira. You know, the, the, I don't know if you know the story of them. Yeah. They're the two Christians in the Bible who are – they're part of the early church. They're part of the early church post-Jesus. So this right. is a this is an interesting group of – this is kind of – and I, I want to say, and I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they're first generation, meaning they're, they're not of the initial. They're new. And they – because they're new with the church and they, they agree to sell some land. And then they hold some of it back. Right. And I think it's Peter who, who recognizes it. And then, I mean, Ananias dies and Sapphira, they both die. And it's a weird kind of story of like, God's like, bang, bang. Um, and, but the moral of the story is like, first off, like, if you say you're going to do it, do it. Right. But it's also, there's another part of it is how many Christians hold back that? How many Christians say, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this. I'm here. God, I'm going to do this. I'm in this. And then hold a little chunk back for themselves. Well, you know I think a lot of people do it because what they're telling themselves is, I need a safety net in case right. in case I misunderstood what God wanted me to do. Right. Right. And that's kind of that little excuse of why I'm not going to take that step out. Yes, I believe that God can do this. Yes, I believe that God can speak to me. But what if I missed it? I'm right. going to keep this over here. Right. Well, that, but that's where I argue, and this is, and this isn't just because I'm a pastor. But that's why I argue being connected to Christ is being connected to Christ on a personal relationship, but on a communal relationship. Yeah. And 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 I'm not saying come to Southside Church of God. You are always welcome. But get it connected because here's where you will not miss the boat when you're in a group of people who are praying on the same boat. Right. Also, but if you did miss the boat, 
Right. You are surrounded. You're surrounded by exactly yeah. right. God has people there that he can work through. And, that, and that's why and that's why the early church was so potent, was they hold everything, they hold a common purse. That didn't necessarily mean that they sold everything and gave it all, but it meant that everything that everybody had was always open. Lydia's house was always open to anybody who needed to use Lydia's house, you know. Right. And and so so I, I think that that's another that's another aspect is some some Christians um they come to church, but they're not really truly connected. Right. They're not connected to Christ and they're not connected to the body. Um, because I'll tell you right now, as a pastor, you can't come to church and be a bajillionaire and not say, well, I don't know what to do with my wealth. Because look around. I mean, there's there's missions to fund. There's yeah. projects to fund. There's all sorts of... And I'm not saying give the church... I don't want to sound like a prosperity gospel <laughs> preacher here. And for $9.99, I'm going to fit that in again. That's right. Yeah. yeah for $9.99, I will certainly bless you into heaven um, with my sweat. Um no, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, that's another part of it. Go back to the very beginning where we talked about Jesus says, depart from me, I did not know you. Mm-hmm. How does he not know you? How can you do those things? Probably they were doing those things on their own, mm-hmm. rogue. And 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 the truth is they didn't know Jesus. They just knew the power of Jesus. They yeah. didn't They didn't want to submit to his power though. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. You know, Paul talks about this in Thess- uh, is that Thessalonians. The might be Thessalonians. I don't know. I, I forget. Look, uh, it was one of the ones that we did. They did with with Tommy. <laughs> but he talks about how uh, there's a time where he is imprisoned, and mm-hmm. he says, um, you know, there are people who, because I'm in prison, mm-hmm. are inspired to preach more mm-hmm. out of honor and reverence, and they want to continue the cause. Right. And there are others who are preaching because they want to overcome me, take my place, right. and be the big boy on campus. Right. Right. Um, and he says, so what should I think of this? Mm-hmm. Says, Praise God that that, <laughs> right. it, that the gospel's being preached. Right, right. Right? Um, like, just because your motives are wrong right. doesn't mean that God's not going to do what he wants to do. Oh, God is. Right? Yeah. God's going to do what he wants yeah. to do. So he's going to spread his gospel. He, these things are going to happen. Like, So you can't take signs uh, or even conversion, leading people to conversion. Right. You know, I think we look at, you know, is it Robbie Zacharias? Yes. Yeah. You know, how many people he led to Christ? Right. And he was doing all these all these crazy things in the background. In the background, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's God still saved those people through him. Right. Right. I I pray to God that he he's reconciled with Christ. Sure. Yeah. yeah, Because he's still going to answer for those things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I think again, you know. We talked about this at the end of the last episode. Right. And as we're winding this episode down, you know, I think we've just had to encapsulate all this stuff is that like we need to recognize first that we are sinners. Yes. Right. Um, there's no getting around that. If you say mm. you're not a sinner, you're a liar, right. which makes you a, <laughs> you're a sinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you need to repent of that. You need to look at the things that you were doing. And even if you don't think that they were that bad, right. they're abhorrent. Right. And you need to look at them as such and turn away and repent of those things. Right. And when you turn away, you should turn to Christ. Right. And he will show you which way to go. Mm-hmm. So if that's you out there right now, mm-hmm. I just want to say this again. Don't wait. Right. Confess that, confess that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. That he is who he said he is, that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead for your sins mm-hmm. and believe that in your heart mm-hmm. and then let him take you that next step. Right. Please do that. Please don't wait. If you need to pray with somebody, reach out to somebody, you know, but don't wait. Right. And you know what? If, if it, 
if it helps, mm-hmm. let us know in the comments. Let us know and and uh, whatever system is available for you through the, right. whatever platform you're hearing this, and we'll pray for you too. Yeah, you know, but. Get connected with somebody. Get mm-hmm. connected with the church, mm-hmm. a church, mm-hmm. not necessarily this one. Mm-hmm. We would love to see you if you're in the area, but you know, pursue Christ. Yes. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today, because if you have found the truth, do not wait mm-hmm. to accept the truth. We told you this two weeks ago. Yeah. We're not going to tell you in another two weeks. No, we probably will tell you <laughs> right. in another two weeks, but we don't know how many more two weeks you got. Right. No one does. And so, like Tim said, like this, this stuff is that is that legitimate? Like... This is stuff that that has eternal ramifications, and and the I think a lot of people focus so often when it comes to salvation on hell and heaven, mm-hmm. but the perks of salvation begin here on earth. On earth, yeah. So immediately, and so so there are so many things that I just can't even begin to tell you. There are so many things that you're missing out on. So many awesome, amazing, a peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah. A joy that that is not worldly happiness, but but a joy that no one can see. You're missing out on these things the longer you wait. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you mm-hmm. or 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 coax you in or try to sell sell you. I'm giving you the truth. Right. And and if you recognize the truth that you are a sinner, this is the perfect time to say, I'm ready to change that. Yeah. And I'm ready to experience the fullness of who God has created me to be. Amen. Yeah. A drummer. A drummer. That's right. That's a drummer. A drummer. <laughs> Man, uh, there's a joy of the Lord. You know, it's our strength. It's, yeah. Yeah. And our drums. And our drums. Speaking of drums, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you for listening. If you have been, uh, we hope that this is ministered to you. Mm -hmm. We know the drums are ministering to you. Yes. 